Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. A warm welcome to all who have come to worship and have fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as well as those who will be listening to this broadcast later in the week. We anticipate the touch of the Spirit of the Lord as we fellowship together, and that we will be blessed as we bring him our praise, honor, and glory. When people look at us as a church, do they long to see Jesus? Would anybody want to see Jesus by looking at me or us? We may be the only Bible people will look at. We have all the potential with Jesus Christ, but we need to invite the Holy Spirit to activate the potential of the power of Christ in us, to turn every bad thing into us into something good and the worst situation into the best. For an opening scripture passage, let's turn to Colossians chapter 4. I'll read verses 2 to 6. And it reads as follows. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We want to be disciples, that is, someone who learns from Jesus in order to live like Jesus. And remember, God uses ordinary people to perform an ordinary task. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace and thank you for being our God and the God of our salvation. Lord, your word just told us to be earnest and vigilant in prayer with thanksgiving, to open doors for the word to minister to those in need and, those, and to those without Christ. That is our prayer this morning, Lord. Help us to walk in wisdom, seasoned in our speech, and ready to proclaim you, Jesus, knowing you provide the answers to the questions as they arise as we step out in faith. Equip us for the tasks you have in store ahead of us, and prepare us to walk in obedience and full surrender to you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, if you are able, I invite you to stand for the singing this morning. Sun comes up, it's a new day dawn. 
Good morning. Our church has supported the Christian fellowships in our high schools for many, many years. Uh, last week in our focus on missions, we featured the GVC Stonehouse, and we encourage you to pray for the, the leadership of that organization. Today, for our mission spot, we're lucky or fortunate to have some students here to share with us about GVC Stonehouse, and I welcome you at this time to share. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. And uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Tatum Hildebrand, and this is Kezia Duick, and we're a few of the leaders at the, Sto at the Stonehouse at Garden Valley Collegiate. 
Uh, Stonehouse is a Christian fellowship group at GBC that was originally part of Interschool Christian Fellowship, but later changed their name to what it is now, being a little bit more independent. Uh, it looked, it's looked very different over the years, from a small group just doing Bible studies in the classroom to even full worship concerts in the gym, and it's still changing. What stays the same is that it's a group of kids that have faith and want to share that faith with others and enjoy time with others who have that same faith. And like our theme verse says, we believe that faith can move mountains, which is uh, Matthew 17, verse 20. And as leaders, we want to have a place where we as believers can talk with others uh, our age about our faith and we'll be able to bring glory to God um, in our own school, being unashamed of who we are in Christ. We want to create a community where people know they're loved and that God cares about them and what they deal with. We want to have fun with each other and also not forget what, what really matters in life, which is loving God and loving people. Stonehouse meets on Fridays at lunch and we do a variety of activities together. Um, we've gone from 10 to 15 students to about 30 students, sometimes 40 or more joining us each week. Um, the past few years, Stonehouse has been rebuilding as a student leadership team with the help of two of the school staff, Ross Dirksen and Amy Worms. The leadership team members who aren't here are in grade 11 and 12. They're Isabel, Beth, Hazel, Ryland, Joey, and Isaiah. As a team, we meet regularly to decide what to do each week and to pray for the students who come and decide on themes. This year, our theme was Building Your House on the Rock, based off of Luke 6, verse 46 to 49. During Stonos, we will have times of worship with our own worship team. We consistently have youth leaders and staff who are believers and that come to speak on different topics. We have days where we watch videos and have discussions related to those, and some weeks we play board games or group games. It's been a wonderful experience laying stones together with the support of youth leaders who come to speak or hang out, and with the support of local churches who give to us financially. Um, we can't speak for the past Stonos years, but we've used the donations to buy student devotionals and student note Stonos notebooks and to bless the speakers who come. We've also had some bigger events like holiday parties, giving out donuts and having after school kickoffs, as well as buying snacks and lunch for the students who come. Um, we are very thankful for all the support that you've given us. Yeah, and we just want to show, want you to know that God is working in our school and he's doing great things. Yeah, we're so thankful for how you supported us again. And we ask that you continue to pray that God's kingdom come and his will be done in our schools as it is in heaven. Thank you. Thank you for that report. It's encouraging to see how the Lord is using you in doing the mission work within the school system. Appreciate that. If you take your uh, bulletins, we'll look at the concerns and activities of the church. First of all, there's all the daily, the weekly activities listed there. Uh, avail yourself of uh, those activities. Uh, focus on missions. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Shar Epp, as well as the Winker Food Cupboard. Uh, pray for an encouragement for the volunteers at uh, Winker Food Cupboard. There will be uh, an afternoon hymn sing here at the church at uh, three o'clock, so again, all are welcome to come. FASFA will be served. There's a quilt tying for relief purposes. Uh, take note of that and uh, invite you to join. Persons with health, health needs, uh, remember Carolyn Hamm and Eva Lepke at Boundary Trails Health Center. 
uh, Mary Duick and John Suderman in Swan Lake Hospital, and uh, as well as Rita Friesen in Red River Valley Lodge. Pray for the Lord's leading as planning meetings are being held for the Vacation Bible School program this summer. Uh, it's good that these people are following up and giving leadership to that program again. Uh, under personnel, the Nominations Committee is pleased to announce that Wendy Weeb has consented to be on the Personnel Committee. We will have an affirmation vote today after our worship service, so please stay around for after the service, we'll have a, an affirmation vote. And uh, Pastor Victor is serving at the Roland United Church this morning with the mail choir. And then take a look at the other community events, uh, Central Station, Rural Compassion Banquet, as well as the Bunker Fish Fry. So. Okay, I'll ask the ushers to come forward. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your throne of grace and pray that you would intervene on behalf of, of all Christians. For evil and lawlessness is rampant and raging across this world. The people of this world are rebelling against your righteous precepts, commandments, judgments, decrees, and statutes and are trying to destroy the foundation of the Judeo-Christian faith. I pray that you would reveal truth and provide enlightenment to the Christian community, and we pray for a great spiritual awakening for those who are in darkness. We know that all it takes is for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. So make us vigilant and knowledgeable as to when to speak up and when to take action. Deliver us from evil. We pray for the ongoing activities of the church, the prayer times, Bible studies, and various meetings and events that happen in a week of life in the church. We ask for divine guidance in each of the events and that these activities would meet the needs of the body and bring about spiritual maturity and growth in God's kingdom. Lord, we have many people with health needs and we pray for your touch of healing upon Carolyn Ham and Eva Lepi at Boundary Trails Health Center Mary Duick and John Suderman at Swan Lake Hospital, Rita Friesen at the Red River Valley Lodge, as well as many others in our congregation who are struggling. We pray for the many that have lost loved ones in the recent past, and that you would guide them through this time of grief. Lord, continue to uphold Don and Shariep, their family, and their ministry to the act of people in the Philippines. Give them and their ministry victory over the enemy in the spiritual battles they face. May their outreach cause spiritual growth where they serve and in your kingdom. Lord, guide our people as they plan for, the summer's, for this summer's Vacation Bible School outreach program in our church. We pray for wisdom for the volunteers at the Winker Food Cupboard as they supply food to meet needs in our community. We thank you for the many community organizations that help maintain and build the spiritual community fabric, and we ask for your blessing on them. Lord, we pray for our leaders and elected officials of our country, province, local municipalities, school boards, health boards, judges, and other jurisdictions. We pray that they would be drawn into a relationship with you that would bring blessing upon each jurisdiction, and that you would provide exceeding wisdom, discernment, guidance, and direction to fulfill the task to which each has been assigned. We thank you for the gifts, tithes, and offerings that are presented to meet the ministry needs and the needs of this congregation. Lord, this morning we present you our worship and music ministry, a mission spot, reading of scripture, and the preaching of your word by Pastor Dean. Anoint your servants 
and this congregation so that this service be an expression of our love to you. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ with thanksgiving. Amen. Elsie's replacement for scripture reading. Scripture reading today, as you can see in your bulletins, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it is the whole chapter. You guys ready? All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor, we, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ." But we have this treasure in our hearts of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. 
struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being, being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This ends the reading of the Word of God. Good morning. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. It's especially good with the warmer weather that is coming. You know, just um, a Wednesday before last Wednesday, we had snow. And now, of course, um, the weather is getting beautiful. And in just a while, in two months from now, we're going to be having the longest day of the year. And sure is nice to see the days lengthen. Larry Richards, in his book, Every Angel in the Bible, states this. Angels had the privilege of being the first to announce Jesus' resurrection. But the mantle of being evangelist, a bearer of good news, passed immediately from the angels to human beings. In fact, women were the first evangelists, the first to tell anyone the stunning news that Jesus who had died on Calvary was now alive, now and forever. Angels rolled away the stone that blocked the entrance to the tomb so that the witnesses could see that truly it was empty. Angels interpreted the meaning of the empty tomb to the women and invited them to examine the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. And angels sent those first witnesses to tell others. However, the one ministry that angels cannot perform today is sharing the gospel with human beings. That privilege is reserved for you and me, close quote. That privilege is reserved for you and me. There are many things that we can do in heaven when we get there, and we're anticipating going there. However, the one thing that we are unable to do there is to share the gospel with others and to share about the transforming work of Christ and he, how he can work in a person's life and to watch a life unfold and see the difference that Christ has made in somebody's life from birth through forward. 
as we continue our series of Growing Deeper in the Lord series, I'd like to take you to take your Bibles and turn to the portion of Scripture that Mark read, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 through 18. And we want to take a look at this portion of Scripture. Of course, this is only going to be part one of this message that I'm going to be bringing. Uh, Christians' ministry is sharing the gospel, and we're only going to look at the first six verses. Christians' ministry is sharing the gospel, number one, as seen in Paul's conduct. As seen in Paul's conduct. In verse 1, it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. There are two crucial statements that we need to understand in this verse. First, the ministry that God has given every believer is the ministry that brings a changed life. It brings salvation, peace, joy, and eternal life. That's the ministry that is given. The ministry is sharing the gospel with others. It is the reason why Jesus came. We can share this glorious message with others, and he's given it to you and I. Second phrase, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. Appears twice in this chapter, once in verse 11 and the second time in verse 16. We must remember that ministry, the sharing of the gospel, is a gift for each of us, and it will come with joy deep satisfaction, there is fulfillment and the approval of God. But it also comes, we must remember, with rejections, perhaps threats, hostility, loss of friends, persecution, and possible death. For that's what the apostles faced, and that's what many people around the world face today. And yet we don't face that. We might be called a nut, we might be called a Bible thumper, but that's the extent. And we have been given this ministry. Right at the beginning of this letter of chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, Paul describes their hardships. Paul describes their hardships, the hardships that him and his team experienced. Verse 8 of chapter 1 says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As they proclaimed the gospel, they experienced God's mercy, grace, and deliverance in their hardships and sufferings. Actually, this all worked to their benefit because they learned to depend upon God instead of of themselves. And too often we depend upon our things that we learn, our strengths, our giftedness, and we fail to depend 
upon the Lord. The moment we understand that truth that we have to stand upon God and rely upon him is the moment when we can live in calmness before the Lord. Until then, we will worry, we will fret. If we feel that God is calling us to speak to someone or to share, won't want to do it, we'll think of an excuse. That is why Paul says, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. He had a lot of reasons why he could have given up. A lot of reasons. His life had been changed, and now he's seeing the transformation of other people, where he planted churches, and especially the church at Corinth that he planted, and now it was bearing fruit. C.S. Lewis said it well in his book, The Four Loves. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give you must give it to no one, not even to an animal. In other words, every time you decide to love, there is going to be heartache. There's someone who's going to break your heart. And every time you share the gospel, there's going to be problems, and there's going to be someone who doesn't like you, or someone who will put you off, or someone who will not even want to associate with you anymore. Sharing the gospel has its problems, its difficulties. It's not easy, but that's why Christ has called us. We may experience ejection. We might experience hurt. We may experience a lot of things, and we will feel like giving up. The apostle Paul and his companions felt like giving up. They felt not like doing this anymore, but they went ahead and they did it. And they did it out of joy. And when they saw the results, it made all the difference in the world. Whenever Paul and his companions shared the gospel, they always lived their lives in transparency. They always lived their lives in transparency wherever they preached the gospel. Look at verse two with me. Verse 2 says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In this verse, Paul alludes to the false teachers who had crept into the church. They were the Judaizers who twisted the word of God and used it for their own benefit to win others over to them. Today, when, we, when it comes to distorting the word of God, the cults are divided into three categories, for the cults are out there, the ones who oppose Christ. First, there, were, there are the non-Christian cults, which are false religions, The non-Christian cults, which are false religions, that includes Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Spiritism, Zoetericism, and hundreds and hundreds of more around the world that we don't even know about. Second, there are the Christian cults, the Christian cults. Their religions and teachings are masquerade as Christianity with the veneer of Christianity. In other words, they look like Christians, but they're not. 
whether they're the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, Scientology, Prosperity Gospel, and the many others that are out there proclaiming a false gospel with a veneer of Christianity. Third is the world of the occult, which is witchcraft and Satanism and many different branches. And a matter of fact, I just read on the net just this past weekend, uh, Satanism has um, celebrated one of their biggest gatherings. The cults are out there. They are alive and well. Here are the three categories again, so you don't forget them. They include non-Christian religions, the Christian cults, and the occult. All these false religions masquerade as truth as they propagate a false teaching contrary to the word of God. According to verse 2, Paul and his companions lived open lives about their preachings, and it lined up with God's word. They, They were honest, they were upfront, and did not lie or distort the truth in order to get followers. They presented the word of God in its fullness without using deceptive ways. Here is the question. Why didn't everyone turn to Christ if Paul preached the gospel honestly, openly, and truthfully? And verses 3 and 4 give us the answer. Verse 3 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whose image, whose, who is the image of God. Truly, to fully understand verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, we have to go back to chapter 3, verses 7 through 18, and to get the context, which is important. So here's the story. Let me um, repeat this for you. When Moses was on the mountain, in the presence of God, fellowshipping with the Almighty, His face began to glow and to shine with the glory of God. No one can go into the presence of God and remain the same after you've been there. Then when he came down with the people, or came down to be with the people, they would stare at him. Why? Because his face glowed with the glory of God. And thus, He would wear a veil so the people would not see that glory fade because when he was away from God, the glow and the glory of God would fade from his face. But when he went back up to be with God, he would take the veil off. When he would come down, he would put the veil back on. Now Paul uses this imagery to convey an important teaching to us. And this is it. I want you once again to look at chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, if you have your Bibles. Look at um, uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Paul says this, We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. 
but their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. I want to repeat that. Only in Christ it is taken away. That veil is only taken away in Christ. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It is gone. Eyes are open and they can see for the first time. The people in the cults and false religions are blinded in both mind and at heart by the God of this world who is Satan. Therefore, they cannot see the glorious gospel of God. When they hear the gospel, it falls off of them like water off a duck. It just goes right off as if they have never heard it or they have never seen it. When I was young, a friend of mine, a friend and I made some slingshots. I'm sure when you were boys, you maybe did the same thing. First, I made the sling. Then, once it was made, then one day, I went alone, and I went out shooting birds. I first, I shot the first sparrow, and I was just a young guy, hitting it in the breast, and it dropped. I then continued and saw a robin sitting on the fence. It had its back towards me. I had snuck up on it. I pulled my little slingshot out. I put, first of all, three little BBs in there like I did before, and I shot, and it hit the back of that bird. And I saw, because I was less than 10 feet away, and those BBs just dropped right off the back of those feathers and onto the ground, and I was shocked. I could hardly believe that it didn't do anything. This robin had an armor of feathers on its back that protected it, and it could not penetrate the armor. And that is the same way the gospel which is proclaimed to the cults. There is like a canopy over them, and that when the gospel is presented, they cannot hear it. It will just go on to them like water would go on to wax paper, and it will just roll right off. They cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They cannot see it. They cannot hear it. And they cannot understand it. So the question is, how do we reach these people who are perishing and they can't see or hear the gospel? They can't. Here is the truth of this matter. Nothing can penetrate the darkness except God the Holy Spirit using the word. Nothing can penetrate the, the darkness except God the Holy Spirit. After seminary, Cheryl and I moved back to Edmonton and attended the church where my brother-in-law pastored. While we were there worshiping, we met another couple by the name of Richard and Cheryl Schatz, and they had a ministry to the Jehovah Witnesses. 
Wow, they did interesting things. They studied it, they took out ads in the newspaper, in the want ads, and they would have a message in there for Jehovah Witnesses, a number to phone, and then when their people would phone it, they would give them the gospel and they would answer some of the questions what they would have. It was all on recording and they had an amazing ministry. Not only did they do that, but they would share and if they could come in contact with, with Jehovah Witnesses, they would then go and face to face, they would talk with them. Incredible. So I made an interesting discover. At the time, I was working for a company called Renaissance, which did home renovations, and I went door to door going with these home renovations, and I would continually cross the paths of Jehovah Witnesses. I crossed many of them, chatted a little while, and then one day at church I was talking to Richard and Cheryl, and I said, you know, I run across these Jehovah Witnesses. I said, would you be interested in going to see any of them? Because if I ask them, they want to talk with me. They said, yes, you get the appointments, and we'll go with you, and so I did. I started setting up appointments. I'd run across them and I'd say to them, I tell you what, I would love to talk with you and some of my friends. I said, would you be ready um, if we came to your homes? And they said, yes. So I took their names and addresses down and immediately we started on working with them. I remember going with Richard and Cheryl and they said this to me. They said, one of us will speak and the others two will remain silent. Two reasons, number one, we don't want to gang up on them and number two, when the one is speaking, we're gonna be praying that the gospel will penetrate their hearts. And with that, we did. We would go to the homes and two of us, two of us would be praying when one spoke. Incredible, the results. The first one home that we went to, I will remember, we'll call the first individual was a young man. He was in his, probably his late 20s. And of course, we'll just call him Kevin. We went and we sat down in his living room and then Cheryl began to speak with Kevin. And she asked him a number of questions and then she would answer those questions. And he had a whole bunch of questions for her. For every question she had, she would give the answer so plainly and simply. And this went on for a little while and all of a sudden he was silent. Cheryl turned to him and said, you're not saying anything anymore. You're not answering any more of the questions. You're not asking any questions. He says, no, because every time I say something, you have an answer to give back to me. And he didn't have anything more left to say. This was the first encounter. Now, I never went with the other encounter because later on, Cheryl and I moved on from the church. But here's the point. In, usually people don't come to know the Lord the first time that this happens. But I want to tell you, the seeds have been planted. The seeds have been planted. And it's going to depend upon how you treat them and how much you love them. The second couple that we went to, we'll call them Rose and Randy. We went to their home, the three of us. Once again, Cheryl spoke. We prayed and we prayed. It was interesting because when we got up to leave, we knew that Rose was very nervous. And Cheryl went up to her and was shaking her hand before her, before we left. 
And she said to Rose, Rose, we are here because we love you. The church is not making us do this. We're not going to be excommunicated if we don't do something like this. We are here simply because we want to share our faith and the love of Christ with you. Then she said to her, then Cheryl said to her this, Rose, when you're sharing with us, are you sharing because you love us? And she, her head went back and forth like this. Then she asked the second question, are you sharing because you have no choice, you have to do this? And her head went up and down like this. This is what the structure of the world is based on. One shares because of love, and the other one shares because they have to do it. The gospel is simply this, it is free. And the gospel makes no demands on us by saying that if you don't do something, you will lose your salvation. And for the cults, that's the way they exist because if they don't threaten people, they wouldn't be able to get people to do the things that they do. That is the difference between Christianity and what is false out there. You and I may not have a specialized ministry to the Jehovah Witnesses or to other cults. However, we are called to share the gospel with our family, our friends, and our neighbors, not because we have to, but because we want to. It is because we first have experienced the love of Christ. It is first we have tasted, and he has forgiven us, and now we want to present this to others. And my prayer for you is this, is that we would take every opportunity to share Christ with others because our days are short. Whether Christ will return sooner than what we think or whether we will go home in a short time because our age has expired us, we have this opportunity and this opportunity is to take but will never shatter the darkness unless we are praying and God is working on the hearts and we are using the word of God. Then God will answer and lives will be changed and people will come to know Christ. The last song that we'll sing today is in your hymnals, uh, number 555. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4.
ask if you'd stand for the benediction with me. So um, if you would bow your heads with me. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you have given us, a day when we can come before you and worship you, a day of rest, a day of prayer. Help us to realize more than ever, you have given us the most important commandment to do, and that is to go and share the love of Christ with others. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. And yet, Lord, we know that this will not happen unless we we prepare our hearts and our souls. I pray, Father, that as we think of those who are around us who still needs you as their Savior, I pray that you would give us boldness and courage to speak to them. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to prepare our hearts so that we can share the love of Christ with others. Now may the God himself, the the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and you may be seated.